0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Now it's verse 9 and this is a, a familiar,
1: well-known verse because the prophet says to this king, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth, to and fro, looking, searching, to strengthen those, listen, whose hearts are fully committed to Him.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. Do you have a heart that is fully committed to the Lord? Today, you learn from Pastor J.D.'s message that God searches for those who He can strengthen. He desires hearts that are committed and seeking Him. Pastor J.D. encourages you to stay rooted in the Lord. God will strengthen and help you to continue to serve Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Here's the fourth one. It's in verses 13 and 14, and it's the Word of God. (laughs) I know this is a firm grasp of the obvious, but here's the thing. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of of what Paul tells Timothy here concerning a devotion to the Word of God. I don't want this to come off unloving, but I really, this is sincere and honest and from the heart, and the Lord knows my heart, but I honestly do not know how any Christian can survive in this world absent the Word of God. How? How are you doing that? It's the bread of life. It's a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. Actually, it's the other way around, Psalm 119. This world is getting darker by the moment, by the minute, really. How, How are you navigating your way through this world without the Word of God? Again, I'll say it this way. There was a time, actually not that long ago, where you could have gotten away with it, you know, just not really knowing the word of God or the God of the word. But how how are you going to do that now? I, I, I think about and please, I'm not beating up on anybody, but I, I just, I it's a, it's a genuine, godly sympathy, <laughs> if I can say it that way. For Christians who don't know God's Word in this world, the biblical illiteracy, no wonder. I mean, it explains a lot if you think about it. Not being grounded in the Word of God, putting into practice the Word of God. You know that parable that Jesus taught about the two builders, one on the rock, one on the sand. You know, Everything was the same about these two builders, except one thing, the foundation, and the one who built his home on the sand. When, not if, the storm came, it came crashing down. And there's even an interesting detail in the parable. Jesus says, and when it did, it came down with a loud crash. In other words, this was not just a You know, it came off of its foundation. No, this this thing fell down, and loud and bad was this fall. Well, what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is, the one who built his house on the rock is the one who put the words of Christ into practice. The one who built his house on the sand is the one who did not. The word of God is the foundation. So when, not if, the things that are happening in this world today happen, and they're happening. We're not shaken. We're not moved. It's kind of like I'm on the rock. Many years ago, we lived on the mainland. We used to go to the coast in Oregon. I wouldn't recommend going there now. (laughs) Sadly, actually. So sad. Heartbreaking, really. And we go to this place called Cannon Beach. They had a Christian Conference Center, I'm sure they still do, and we would stay there at this Christian Conference Center. They bring in these uh, pastors and teachers from all over, and great teachers, so nice, beautiful, right there on the the beach. And when you went to the beach, you would see what's known as haystack rock. Here's this, this huge rock, and depending on the tide, it's out into the ocean, but close in proximity to the beach. And the, the waves are crashing up against this rock. And if you look close enough, what you'll see on haystack rock are these birds. And they're just singing and praising their creator, oblivious to the waves crashing below. Why? Because they're on the rock. Yeah, but the waves are crashing. I'm on the rock. What, that, those waves are going to move the rock? Should we, What? The, the rock is going to be moved by the waves? No, I'm on the rock. And is that not an apt description, a beautiful painted portrait on the canvas of our lives? No matter what's happening around us, if I'm on the rock and the rock is Christ, the words of Christ, the Word of God, I am so rock-solid. I am sound. You can bring whatever wave you want. <laughs> Don't you find it interesting that Paul would tell Timothy not to neglect his gift? Apparently there was at some point where they laid hands on him, acknowledging that he had this gift of teaching and preaching and as a pastor. And then he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, and preaching, and teaching. What's the difference between preaching and teaching? Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is instructing. But the public reading of Scripture, do you realize that we need but read the Word of God? Because when we get into the Word, the Word gets into us. Just And then hearing it audibly, again, where does faith come? Thank you. Hearing, let him who has an ear hear. Again, replete throughout the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one God. The Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. This last one I want to spend the remainder of our time on. Because the Lord really ministered a couple things here to me that I want to share with you in verses 15 and 16. It has to do with wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. Not half-heartedness. Wholeheartedness. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the highest priorities, if not the highest priority for us today in this world in which we are living, I think this would have to be it. So notice with me that Paul tells Timothy to be diligent. There's a difference between diligence and vigilance, but both ends of the table are covered. How? By giving yourself fully, holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. And by the way, you'll forgive the play on words, but you know what it means to be holy? You know, in Scripture we're told to be holy as He is holy. Okay, I'll get right on it. (laughs) How? Oh, so glad you asked. The how of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. And you know what a holy life is? It's a whole life, not a three-quarters life, not a half-life not a one-third life. It's that fullness. You're full filled. You're whole. Holy. I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but this is no time. That world does not exist anymore. You know, the, the casual Christians say, hey, you know, all right. I'm just going to kind of glide and a bad I don't think you can do that anymore. You can try. Spoiler alert. You're going to get chewed up and spit out. I'm sorry if that's... I'm really not sorry, but I say I'm sorry because it sounds loving. But I'm sorry if that's, you know, up in your grill. Second Chronicles chapter 16. I want to read verses 7 through 10, but let me give you the backstory real quick here. This is a really... I would say, so apropos for us today. Do you realize that in the history of the kings of Israel and Judah, actually Israel had none, Judah, uh, there were only nine good kings, of whom it was said they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. All the others, Other than those nine, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. There were only nine good kings. And here's what's even more interesting. Of those nine good kings, eight of them messed up at the end of their lives. They didn't finish well. Only one. And if I told you his name, I I can almost promise you you've never heard of him. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear of him in heaven. His name was Jotham, Yotham. And there's nothing recorded about him doing anything displeasing to the Lord like the other eight of those nine kings. And you know what his secret was? I think it's, again, apropos. I hate to use the word secret because it sounds so... You know, I hate it when the world hijacks. And I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijack. But when the world hijacks... A biblical truth, and, and mars it, and profanes it, and makes it common. You know, the secret to your success. That's so... I, God invented success, and God invented the secret to success. So I'm going to use that word in its sanctified, original form. The secret to that king's success was that every day on a daily basis he would rise up early, And he would seek the Lord and he would lay out his ways before the Lord and commit all of his ways to the Lord. For 30 some years, lived a long, fulfilled, holy, godly life. And then he went to be with his fathers and went to be with the Lord. He died. And there's like, it's so, so uh, some of these kings, even the good ones, they have chapters. Not not him, not Jotham. He had like, I want to say, if my memory serves me correctly, like three verses. Jotham did that which was good and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Laid his ways out before the Lord. Committed everything to the Lord, and uh, and then he died. That's it. Yeah. No drama. No drama. Don't he? Isn't that how it is? Well, the king we're going to talk about now is King Asa, or Asa, king of Judah. He was one of the nine. Good king, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord early on. And then he got a little bit too uh, comfortable. God prospered him, God blessed him, and he started to rely on that, look to that, instead of the Lord. So let's pick it up in verse 7. It says, At that time Hanani, the seer, came to ask the king of Judah and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Early on in his reign, he was small, vulnerable. Israel was very weak. And the army of the Ethiopians, some one million men strong, let that sink in, that number over a million men come against Israel. And what does Asa do? Oh God, we are toast if you don't help us. And what does God do? He helps him. He had to rely on the Lord because there was no way. He was a dead duck, and he knew it. So God delivers the Cushites, the Libyans, into the hands of the Israelites under King Asa's reign. And he starts to be prospered and grows, and their army increases in numbers. And now there's another threat. Only this time he doesn't look to the Lord. He doesn't call upon the Lord, and he doesn't rely on the Lord. He uh, establishes this alliance with these other nations. And what's interesting is he looks to them to come against this army that is coming against him. And the Lord's like, Oh, I see how it is. I guess you don't need me now. Oh, back when the Ethiopians and the Libyans were coming against you with a million men, you needed me then. But now you don't need me, huh? Okay, it's fine. I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm not gonna make you rely on me. You'll you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll learn the hard way. What is it about the hard way, man? I so wish I could learn the easy way. You know what I really wish is that I would learn from your mistakes. <laughs> nothing per- nothing personal, but because I don't want to, I, I want to see you suffer. That's horrible, I know, but I want to see you suffer the consequences of your sin and folly, and I want to learn by proxy, so I don't have to go through it. But it doesn't work like that, does it? Sometimes you just have to learn the hard way, and I ha- I have to learn the hard way, and I have the scars to prove it. So he's going to learn the hard way, Now it's verse 9, and this is a a familiar, well-known verse, because the prophet says to this king, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth, to and fro, looking, searching, to strengthen those, listen, whose hearts are fully committed to him. Okay, check this out. Use your God-given imagination here. Imagine for a moment God doing a search. Man, I got this thing I want to do. Who can I use? Ah, they're not quite ready yet. Can't use them. Ah, they're not, they're kind of half-hearted. Can't use them. Ah they still need more work. I I still need to prepare them for that which I'm preparing for them. They're not ready either. So I'm I'm searching, and I'm looking for someone whose heart is fully committed to me. And when I find that man, stand back. Behold the salvation of the Lord. If I were to try and even tell you what I'm going to do, you wouldn't believe it. Because see, what's, what, what I can do when I find someone like that is I can be strong on their behalf. See, he might search and he'll see someone and say, no, they're, they're too strong. I can't use them because they're too strong in their own strength. And so if I did it, they would take the credit for it. And no flesh is going to glory in my presence. So here he, so he continues to search. And then you'll forgive the metaphor, but When he does that search, what what does he pull up? The name of someone whose heart is fully, wholly devoted, committed to him. Hoarded, all in, totally surrendered to the Lord. Lord, here I am, send me. Someone like Esther, who would say, if I perish, I perish. Someone like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, yet will I praise him. That's who God's looking for. You know what's sad is King Asa at one time was that man, which is why God could be strong on his behalf. The prophet goes on to say, you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. What was Asa's response you would think he would fall on his face, Lord. <sighs> he doesn't. You know what he does? Well, we shouldn't be surprised. It's what we do. We don't like the message, so we take it out on the messenger. It's like somebody, you know, your, your postal delivery person, the mail person, brings you the mail. You don't want the mail. And you, so you take it out on them. They're just the mes- messenger. That You know where I'm going. This is self-serving, right? You don't like the message? I'm just a messenger.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. He gets angry. He was so enraged, we're told, that he put him in prison. At the same time, he brutally oppressed some of the people. And this was a good king? Yeah. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is this. When you love the Lord with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole body, your whole mind, fully committed to Him, fully, wholly devoted to Him. Can I say it this way? He can't resist. He cannot resist that heart that is fully devoted. It's like picture God waiting on standby to do grand and glorious things that are exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that you could have ever thought or imagined, let alone asked. And yet, we tie the hands of His miracles and blessing with the ropes of our half-heartedness. I speak as one who is as guilty of this as anyone. I have to confess, so many times, unbelief. <laughs> I think of that man that said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's me, man. I just Can I, can I, sign, can I stand in that line? Help my unbelief. I want to believe God to do big things. He's a big God. Okay, one last thing. And I appreciate your patience. You know when Jesus would say to the disciples, Why did you doubt? Oh, oh ye of little faith. Never imagined that he said it with a disdain in his or disgust, you know oh, ye of little faith. No. More like this. Why is your faith so little when your God? is so big. Why do you doubt? James says the one who doubts is like that, you know, toss to and fro, back and forth. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's half-heartedness. That's double-mindedness.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer his calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.